Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. You have a deal going underwater, but then you have one of the owners still looking for deals, trying to go out and make the next dollar. This deal over here is not working. The focus is not there. This is a simple fix. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Ivan Vian. Ivan is joining us from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He is a returning guest on the Best Ever Show. If you Google Joe Fairless and Ivan Vian, his episodes will pop up. Ivan is the owner of the Apartment Ninja Warrior Academy, a community of asset managers who learn to optimize their properties so that they can raise more capital and build their apartment portfolio. Ivan's portfolio consists of 880 doors. Ivan, my friend, how are you? Doing outstanding. Great to see you again, Ash. Very excited to be here today. Great to have you on. If you would, give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now. Yeah, absolutely. My background is I'm a full-time apartment investor, owner, operator. Previously that, I spent 20 years in the Air Force flying jets all over the world. And during that time, I learned a lot about the importance of working with the right people and having the right processes in place in order to have a successful operation. And a lot of what I do today, working with apartment owners and operators and helping them optimize their properties through proper asset management tips, tools, and tactics. A lot of what I do today is a result of my military career and transferring that over into the apartment world today, let alone just my own experience. Now I've been in this business for almost 10 years. Ivan, you probably know this, but I tell a lot of people that our original interview together was one of the best ones I've ever done. The reason for that is you are this big, stoic B-1 bomber pilot. You are clean cut, jacked, dressed perfectly. And on that episode, you shared a lot of mistakes and failures that you had and lessons that you've learned from it. So that was just you being real. And I think that's what really connected with the audience. So I'm looking forward to doing another great interview with you. Let's take the elephant in the room. Multifamily is a lot different today than when you and I did that interview a couple of years ago. 
What are your thoughts on the current state of the economy as it applies to multifamily? Current state of the economy as it applies to multifamily. I mean, to be honest, we're going through a very challenging time. It has been spoken about time and time again that all of those that got into this business in the 2020, 2021 timeframe with floating rate debt and with rate caps are going through very challenging times. And to couple that challenge on top of that, <laughs> what are we experiencing today? Actually, year over year decline in rent growth overall and some of the major markets that we're all investing in. We have increasing taxes, increasing insurance. And a lot of things that people don't talk about is not only are owners and operators going through similar challenges, but property management companies are also experiencing their own set of challenges. When COVID hit, I remember we shut down and a lot of the seasoned operators of property management company managers quit the business. So that corporate knowledge left the room and we were left with a less experienced crowd, still good, but less experienced. But then what happened is we had a, a very high demand for talent and it's harder and harder to find managers, harder and harder to find maintenance people to work at properties. And those property management companies that did not invest in a strong HR department, a strong training department, but more above that is to build out a culture to cause people to want to stay with these companies and operate at these properties that have their own unique set of challenges. Those that didn't build out a culture are falling apart today. And so a lot of what I talk about is understanding this because really the key to this business, unless you're vertically integrated holding company that has your own vertically integrated property management company, the key to this business is really about you finding the right property management company that aligns with you and that also aligns with the property that actually knows what they're doing and has spent time building out HR department, training department, and that culture that we need to give the managers a reason to stay at the property above and beyond just a transactional environment. Something that they feel that is important beyond just creating a profit, something that is above and beyond themselves. That's where this culture piece comes into play that's so important. Ivan, what do you do to develop that culture amongst your team and your partners in this business? What do I do to develop that culture? Everything in this business is a relationship at the end of the day. And when you take time to generally show that the people you're working with, in this case, the property management company, that you want to understand them, that you know them, when you take the time to get to know them, then they will want to get, take the time to get to know you. There's a saying that says, understand to be understood. So what do I do? I spend time with my property managers and I spend a whole day with them. And I understand that the day in life of being a property manager, the day in life of being a maintenance person, the day in life of being a regional manager, I sit in on their meetings, sit in on their corporate training meetings, sit in on a lot of their meetings and develop that relationship. It's so vital and so key. And then what you do is once you understand the company, you understand what their DNA is, what their fabric is about, then you actually become part of that team. It's not an us versus them mentality. It's us with them mentality. You're working together. So the team is not just a property management company, you separate, it is all of you. So I look at everything as one big unit. And once you develop that cohesiveness, then therein lies opportunity for you to provide influence. 
And I have this saying that you have to think like a property manager, but act like an asset leader. How can you think like a property manager if you don't truly know what it is to be one? Once you understand what it is to be one, then you have to be able to influence through leadership. And a lot of this business is about influence through your own leadership abilities. And when you're able to do that in a very healthy way, because you have taken time to develop your own leadership characteristics, then you'll see that take effect at the property level and your KPIs will start to grow. Your property will start to improve. The demographic will start to change. And bit by bit, little by little, you'll see actually your business plan happening like you originally thought it was supposed to. Ivan, I want to clarify, when you do the day in the life of and you shadow these people, these are not your employees. They are your property managers, third-party companies. Is that right? That is 100% correct. No, they are not my employees, but I see them as my partners. They're a third-party property management company, but you form a partnership beyond just a, a contract or an agreement. You've got to create this partnership through a strong working relationship. And let me tell you, here's the thing. A lot of owners are not fun to work with. A lot of owners are very demanding with the lack of understanding and appreciation. I go on to these Facebook groups and I watch these managers talk to each other and vent about owners. Go in there and see what they say just to get insight and understanding what it is to be a manager. I think that's an incredible approach and I'm trying to take it a step further. All these brokers that we call wanting deals, what do you got that hasn't hit the market yet? Imagine if you took your approach, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Broker, do you mind if I shadow you for a day? I've got a lot of respect for you and I want to see what a normal day is, what the struggles are, what the fun parts are. If you do that for one day, they will never forget you because everyone else has a transactional relationship with these brokers. And here you are taking a genuine interest in what they do. I can't imagine the returns that that would give you and the mutual respect that you would end up with at the end of those one day. So I admire the hell out of you doing that. That's brilliant. Mutual respect. You hit it on the dot right there. Yeah, I love that. So it wasn't that long ago, I saw a crazy post. You are dressed in probably a $2,000 suit. You've got a pair of nunchucks in your hands and you took on this persona of the apartment ninja warrior. Yes. Explain to me the evolution of that, please. Well, I think we all kind of have an understanding of what a ninja is, right? And I believe that mindset of what a ninja is is so important in today's apartment world. So what is a ninja? One, they're lethal. When they throw that star, they don't miss. Two, they're very strategic, very well thought out. Three, they can go in, get a job done, and get out unscathed, untouched. And think about you as an asset manager, you show up to a property, you get in, get a job done, and you get out. You have to be able to hit your marks. You have to be able to hit your KPIs or exceed your KPIs. And you have to have a well thought out strategy. But beyond that, they have high morality, high strong character, high discipline. They're focused. They have strong work ethic. They're willing to stay at something until they get it done. So all these characteristics embody what I believe is necessary to be a very good asset leader in today's environment. Explain to me the difference between an asset manager and a property manager. 
A property manager is someone who actually physically works at the property every single day that is working directly with the tenants that come in, signing leases, showing units, making collections. The person that's making sure all the work orders are getting completed when a tenant calls in and saying there's a leak on their sink. That property manager then makes sure the maintenance person goes and fix that leak with the property. So that's the property manager. They oversee the day-to-day operation. The asset manager is the person that oversees the property manager. The asset manager has a fiduciary responsibility to meet or exceed a return for his or her investors. So the asset manager is a person that makes sure that the business itself is going to produce a profit. So really your job is to maximize profit while minimizing downside risk as an asset manager. But I'm not the one who's reviewing leases, signing leases. I'm not the one that makes sure physically money is showing up inside the bank account. I'm the one that makes sure all those things are actually getting done through the property management company. And you have a mastermind program where you train others on what? I have a mastermind program that trains other people on the specifics on how to maximize your return on investment while minimizing your downside risk as an asset manager. So I give them all the tools, tips, and tactics in order to be able to do that. But taking a step back, at the end of the day, you're going into a deal that has to produce a certain return. And the key is, how are you going to hit that return? So we then put in the systems in place in order to be able to do that. And there's two sides again. You have people and then you have processes. And we focus on hiring the right people, which is a property management company, and then also the processes, the process that we all should be following to make sure that we can meet or exceed that return at the end of the day. Ivan, I'm going to play devil's advocate. How hard is it to manage a property manager? How hard is it to manage a property manager? It is as hard as if you don't hire the right property management company. Problem is a lot of people don't take the time to identify what makes a property management company a good property management company. And therein lies a lot of the issues that we are dealing with today. And I told you earlier on this podcast that property management companies are going through their own evolution of growth that they need to go through to be able to operate in today's environment and how they were operating things in the previous cycle is not how we should be operating things today. So basically we have this period right now where they're going through this evolution. The owners are going through this evolution and we're trying to figure out how to actually operate with efficiency in today's market. But beyond that, the thing is in the previous cycle, the tide was up and You didn't have to actually have to perform that as well as you do today. Many, many people bought deals and they simply just went up in value due to cap rate compression. So therein lies the opportunity. Now we're being challenged. Your true skills are being put to test. And today's environment, every single person that buys a deal right now, you have to hit with precision and accuracy. You have to be hidden in the bullseye and every single KPI has to be hit in the bullseye for these deals to work. Very, very little room for error, especially because the cap rates are not compressing currently. So you have to be very, very smart about the deals you're buying, but then you have to have your plan in place before you even buy the deal. You have to know exactly what you're going to do before you buy the deal. And what that plan involves people and it involves processes. 
And a lot of people, I talk to them, they say, oh, I'll find the construction company after I buy the deal, or I'll put in the true game plan after I buy the deal. And it's like, as soon as you buy that deal, the clock starts ticking. And if you're not producing cash flow, your IRR is going to continue to go down, down, and down the less cash flow you produce in a timely manner. And it baffles me that people don't understand this. So again, back in the academy, we prepare people before they hop into a deal to teach them how to operate that deal before they hop into it. What is on the other side of that coin? We teach them that so that they're prepared to be able to operate that deal so they don't have to figure it out. So they actually have the true playbook and game plan in their hands before they buy that deal. To answer your question, it's challenging. I don't want to sugarcoat this thing, but it could be even more challenging if you don't know what the heck you're doing. <laughs> and we know what happens when people don't know what they're doing. They lose their deal, unfortunately. Yeah, Ivan, with your key performance indicators, are they tracking effort or results? Meaning, are they tracking vacancy or occupancy versus the effort it takes to get there? Are they tracking effort versus results? Yeah, what I mean by that is, is one of your KPIs reducing vacancies or is it spending time on these tasks that reduce vacancies? At the end of the day, it's tracking results. Now, when you talk about the effort to create efficiencies on the other side, I don't necessarily track that, but it's up the property management company to create those efficiencies. But if you create your own thresholds and markers for them to be able to hit, it forces them to then organize themselves in a way such that they become more efficient. That therein lies the, for example, putting in a budget and we have a process to be able to understand how to build a budget. And if they don't hit those budgeted numbers that we already agreed to and agreed upon as the playbook we're going to follow, then you then go and understand and unpack why that is. And I have this process called root cause analysis and root cause analysis is first you identify what is the desired focus point that you want to focus on. Then you determine all the contributing factors, why that particular KPI has an unfavorable variance. Once you identify all the contributing factors, then you identify the root cause. Once you have that root cause and you can put in a fix and that root cause may be due to inefficiencies. A couple examples of how long did it take to do a work order repair? How long did it take? The longer it takes, the less likely you're going to have your tenant renew their lease. So that is one. Two, how long did it take for someone to answer the phone or how long did it take for someone to actually return a phone call or a message or text or so on and so forth? So there is some of that that goes on as well. But one thing I want to point out, the numbers are just numbers. It's really about understanding the story that the numbers are telling you and learning to read between the lines. And one thing that people, I think, are doing is that when they look at the numbers, it's about something that happened in the past. You have these lead and lag indicators. And what you're looking at numbers, a decision was happened in the past, but the key is to be able to look at the numbers and understand what's going to happen in the future, being proactive versus reactive. So when we're putting together all the numbers, it's really about understanding this term called exposure. And anything I do today will impact future exposure. Future exposure is an event that will cause an economic loss. If I am too aggressive on my renewals and I send them out today, you think a lot of people are going to renew? Say you went up 200, 300 bucks in the winter months, and a very over-exaggerating here on my example. A lot of people may say, no, I'm not going to renew. That's ridiculous. I can go down the street and only 
have to pay $100 more. It's worth me moving in the dead of the winter not to have to pay $300 more a month. Well, that's going to create a lot of vacancy loss because they're not going to renew. Now you're exposed. But people don't have the forethought to think ahead what that's going to cause in your exposure. So a lot of what we focus on is understanding what KPIs are telling us from an exposure standpoint and then determine our rent rates today to minimize that future loss in the future. Got it. You mentioned the need to be way more efficient today because the markets are not as rewarding or as lenient as they once were. What are some examples of innovative approaches that you've taken to become more efficient? So the value add model is you rehab a unit, raise the rent 250, 300 bucks and get it leased up. But people don't quite understand it is how long it takes to rehab a unit. And is it worth exposing that unit to vacancy loss to rehab it? And a lot of times it is not, especially in today's environment when year over year rent growth is decreasing. Those $300 rent bump days are not there. And our occupancies are starting to decrease because there's a lot of delinquency in the market. So our occupancies are decreasing, concessions are increasing, our rent growth is decreasing. What we need to focus on is retention and building out communities for people to want to stay at a property and retaining the tenant. Because as soon as the tenant leaves and you think you can go ahead and rehab that unit to get a $200 rent bump, what additional value are actually gaining? Because how much does it cost to rehab these units these days? Our rehab costs have doubled or tripled in some cases. What used to cost 5,000 bucks now costs 10. What costs 10 now costs 20. So say it's a $15,000 cost to improve that unit. $15,000 you have to spend to get, say, a $200 rent bump. The $200 rent bump over 12 months is $2,400. But you just spent $15,000 to get a $2,400 extra profit. Now, let alone the time it takes to get the tenant out, rehab it, and to get it released. Say so if you're really good, you can get it all within a month. But say it's two months. Now that tenant is not living there for two months while you rehab the unit. So you lost probably $1,200 a month, which is right around $2,400. <laughs> so you spent $15,000 to lose $2,400 in rent in order for you just to gain $2,400 more profit. So you actually get nowhere in that whole process. And here's what happens in reality. And then the freaking tenant comes in and they trash the unit <laughs> and you evict them in nine months. So you just spent 15K and you evicted that tenant and you're not even realizing your rent bump. You just spent 15K. You didn't have to. And now you extrapolate that over, say, 50 units that you do within a year. I don't think people understand. You're wasting money as you play What's the, the solution to that. What's retain, 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 <clears throat> do quick lease trade outs, just dustings maybe some floor and carpet paint, simple rehabs and retain and create community, create culture, less transactional, be more relational in these environments so that people want to stay, so that people then want to feel like they can justify paying extra costs. Now, here's the thing. You got to rehab the outside. You have to improve the property, okay? You got to show that there's improvements. You got to add an amenity here. You got to still compete with the marketplace. But this whole model of taking a tenant out taking the time to rehab it, just experience vacancy loss, extrapolate that over 10 units, you actually don't move the needle.
We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. How do you build a culture amongst your tenants? I have a property management company in Salt Lake City. They have their own sister nonprofit organization, that organization's sole job is to come in and do community service events. I was just there actually yesterday at the time of this recording here. I was there and a gentleman's there with a big bunch of cookies and they're going to do some kind of Christmas event. They're doing a clothing drive there. One thing that I do is have my own nonprofit where it's all about making an impact at the property. But I have the question, how can I have my property make an impact in the surrounding community as well? Think about it. You have all these people that interface with the city. So say a 150-unit property, there's at least 200 people in that building that go out to the city on a daily basis. How can you use your building to make an impact on the surrounding city? So what I've done is identify star tenants who are already volunteering at nonprofits outside the building. And then I make a donation to that nonprofit that they're volunteering at and recognize them on their behalf. And the whole idea is that if we contribute to the surrounding area, then the surrounding area will contribute back to our property. So I had a tenant who was a chef and he liked to help homeless people learn how to procure food and help them survive on the streets at the Utah Food Bank. We made a donation to the Utah Food Bank on this tenant's behalf and recognized him, gave a large donation. The Utah Food Bank then gave a bunch of turkeys back to our property. And then our property had a huge Thanksgiving feast. Isn't that cool? I love that. You're, you're cultivating an ecosystem yes. of giving. Yes. Ivan, when did you start the academy? I started the academy earlier in Q2 of 23. And the ninja came about about the same time? Just before that. I literally just woke up one morning and I said, I'm the apartment ninja warrior, baby. Let's go. <laughs> What's the feedback you've gotten from that character? <laughs> Everyone loves it, man. The saber I got is from my academy days. It was sitting on my wall and I was like, I can go buy a, a ninja sword and just pull the thing off the wall. So I, that's what I use. And the nunchucks, my military days, they called me a uh, odd job. Odd job is a character from a James Bond movie. Everyone gets a call sign. Yes, my call sign was odd job. Look him up. He's the guy that threw the hat. And anyhow, there was just this little joke. Why not give odd job some nunchucks? So my buddy made me some nunchucks and I've had them on the shelf for a number of years. I was like, well, throw them in with the character. <laughs> I just looked this up. Yeah. California and Massachusetts are the only states that still ban nunchucks. Ah. <laughs> so just be cautious be careful. in California <laughs> Massachusetts. I love it. We're in such a non-dynamic industry. Look at the realtor commission model. It's been ages since it's needed to be overhauled. And just now it's getting some movement. 
we're just an industry that doesn't innovate a whole lot. So I admire you for taking on that persona and just doing something different and good job. I got to ask you though, post COVID, a lot of deals are going south and a lot of people have turned from being successful syndicators to getting into coaching because the income is no longer there. Is that what's driving you? Is it a need for income? What makes you do this? Quite honestly, my eyes naturally light up when I'm coaching, when I'm mentoring. It feels like it's the natural evolution of where I've been. I've done a lot of deals. I've been through a lot. I've seen a lot. And I see the need for something like this in the marketplace. And I see the gap that took place of how everyone got into this business through a lot of these other mentorship programs that didn't talk about operations and the tide was continuing to rise. So there wasn't a need or it wasn't enough pain out there, blood in the water to have a desire for something like this. And for me, all the way from my military days to now, I've always been an instructor at heart. I've taught guys how to fly airplanes and take off and land in every field and drop bombs and all those things. It's just naturally who I am. So it's a natural fit kind of evolve into this person today in the apartment world. And you're not teaching people how to become multimillionaires. You're teaching them very specifically on how to manage this asset. 100%. We have people that come in that they come in as a profession to learn asset management, who then get later drafted into, say, another ownership group. So that differentiates you because a lot of these other programs are... I'll show you how you can quit your W-2. You'll become a millionaire in three years, but you are like a college course, a master's degree, so to speak, in asset management. You're not taking somebody off the streets and teaching them multifamily and asset management and raising capital and dispositions. Well, and listen, I'm making an argument that let's say you want to go buy a multi-million dollar Learjet to fly your friends and family to their favorite island destination. Well, before you go buy that very expensive piece of equipment, that airplane, don't you think you're going to have to learn how to fly the thing? Or, okay, fine, I'll hire a pilot to help fly it with me. Okay, fine. But do you trust that pilot? And do your investors trust that pilot? No, your investors trust you. And who are they going to look to if that freaking plane crashes and burns or doesn't hit the runway, like it's laying on the runway like it's supposed to? They're going to be looking to you. So don't you think you should understand what it takes to operate an apartment before you get into one? So yeah, we do have people coming in, but we're showing them from an operational standpoint what the reality is. And we underwrite deals from an operational standpoint, from a property management standpoint, not from a financial standpoint, which is a totally different approach to this business, which is reality. So yes, we do also focus on acquisitions, but from an operational standpoint, However, the main core is asset management. Understood. This is a side hustle. This is not your bread and butter. You're still on the streets. You're still a real estate guy. Yeah, you got to be in the trenches to be able to have the street kid to be able to educate and mentor. So yeah, we're still out there, hounding the payment, underwriting deals, looking at deals. What are you doing to find deals today? What do I do to find deals today? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same Methods that have been there since day one, you can get them off market, get them on market. You got to build out your channels, but it's relationships at the end of the day. It could be a relationship you have with an insurance broker that you've developed over the years who knows this one guy has a deal that's is going through some troubles, doesn't want to take it to market, wants to do a, a quiet close, and you go and get access to that deal. 
that way, for example. And Ivan, how's the pipeline right now? It's still interesting. It's still a huge gap, quite honestly, between seller expectation and buyer expectation. It's starting to pick up and the blood is starting to enter the water though. Especially on the coaching mentoring side, you're seeing exactly what's going on with these properties in reality as you're helping, trying to help people to overcome a lot of these challenges and negative cash flow type situations. But at some point that's going to come to a head and it's starting to come to a head now. What is the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to improving your asset management? What do most people do wrong? Yeah, what most people do wrong, again, they are reactive versus proactive. They're not looking into the future and determine what their decisions are going to do today and how it's going to impact the property tomorrow. So you have to understand the exposure you're going to create by your decisions you make today. For example, if you're going to go aggressive on your renewals and you're going to create a lot of exposure, but then you don't have a rehab plan in place to be able to take care of all the make readies or new rehabs in place, if you can't predict that and plan for that, now you have a bottleneck there because you're not producing enough units. Now you have a lot of units that are not rent ready sitting on the market, not collecting rent. So again, being proactive versus reactive. Ivan, somebody comes to you and they're underwater on their deal. They had to pause distributions. The lenders are knocking on their door. What's your advice to them? We got to understand the situation first. We got to stop the bleeding, man. And Every situation is unique. And it's interesting how now digging into these situations, I'm mentoring people in these situations and a lot of it's preventable. Why? One thing, for example, too many chefs in the kitchen, too many GPs trying to control the deal. One person has to be in charge. One voice, one decision maker with supporting cast members. You don't have alignment even at the ownership level. Or you have misprioritization of priorities, meaning you have a deal going underwater, but then you have one of the owners still looking for deals, trying to go out and make the next dollar. This deal over here is not working. The focus is not there. This is a simple fix. We have to have a come into a Jesus talk here and get real with one another. Everyone has to get in a room and we have to create alignment in the ownership side. Once you create alignment ownership side, then you have to create alignment with the property management side, with the main person, the property management side. Then you have to get the property management team beneath the property management side, all in agreement and alignment. There's so much misalignment going on that's creating a lot of churn, a lot of inefficiencies. People quitting, people leaving, or people getting upset or pointing the finger now, or that's not my job, that's not my job. You have this culture environment that's not productive. We all can just swallow our pride a little bit, admit to our own mistakes, take ownership of these situations we're in. You actually will see a tremendous impact in the right direction at your properties. And a lot of what I do is coaching that, not the mechanics, but the relational side of things. Or I have people that they are not an integrator at heart, yet they want to self-manage their properties, <laughs> which are losing money every single day. I'm like, listen, you're good at leading people. You're good at casting vision. You have to give this to a property management company. Why are you doing this right now? Why are you taking yourself out? So that you are freed up to look at the bigger picture. And that's one example of what's going on today in this environment. I love what you said. And what you said would be 
what a CEO would do if their business was failing. They wouldn't abandon ship and go look for the next business to buy. They would do everything that you just said, get the team together, align your focus, assign responsibility, one leader. And I think we've been spoiled in commercial real estate because it's a non-contact sport. It's great that real estate people all help each other. We have this podcast to help everybody. You, I know, have mentored tons of people, helped tons of people. That's not the real world. If you are a business owner, you have competitors every day gunning for you. We don't have that in real estate. It's a non-contact friendly sport. We're not playing in the real world where it comes to businesses that uh, their success depends on others' failures. Your competition is eating your lunch every day. With real estate, there's plenty to go around. So we've been very spoiled. And again, what you said is the advice that you would give a business owner. Unfortunately, in commercial real estate, we haven't gotten that. We've been soft. What are your thoughts on that? Yo, man, at the end of the day, you're buying a business. You're not buying real estate. And people miss that. And people think that you can just buy this business. They sell you this dialogue at the big stage. You could buy this apartment, give it to property management company, go live on the beach, collect your check every month. That's a bunch of freaking BS, dude. Okay? <laughs> Let's just be real about this freaking thing. That is bullshit. That's what's so frustrating. If we just confront the truth, because we do have our investors' interest in mind. If we confront the truth and say that this is a business and you have to look at it a business, approach it like a business, and we all know businesses have challenges. We all know businesses need the things that businesses need. A mission statement, value, vision. You got to have people. You got to have processes. You got to think through it like that. The basic, simple things in a business. If we approach it like that, a lot of these issues we're dealing with, we wouldn't be here today. But people were sold this freaking story that you could just go buy a building, give it a property management company, and the rest is history. What's even more baffling is, are we really the operators? No, the property management company is the operator. I'm not the guy on the freaking ground talking to tenants or signing leases. So it's funny, we call ourselves operators. You're a leader. You have to influence. You have to make sure people want to follow you. You have to put yourself in a position where people respect you and the mindset has to shift. You're not the actual operator. You're the person to make sure the property management company is doing what they need to do. Think about that. We go through this whole process, underwriting something, da 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 Maybe we have a little bit of property management company influence, but once you hand that deal over, it gets rewritten all over again from a totally different perspective, using an operational budget. Go through that process, which by the way, I teach people how to do this. And it gets rewritten again. And what you underwrote and you spent the past four to six months thinking you're going to have this whole plan, how it's going to be, you give it to property management company and the whole freaking thing changes because they never understood it from a property management standpoint. They're the operators. And so what I'm doing is I'm bringing the property management company to the beginning of the conversation, more into the fold, to hearing what it's like in ground reality to actually execute these deals and to bring that corporate knowledge, that real world understanding into our underwriting models. So it's a seamless transition. It's not, we underwrite from a financial perspective, then we underwrite it again from an operational perspective. No, we understand this from an operational perspective from the beginning. You know how many times I was given this and then once I get the property, the labor ends up being this. 
you know how many times I was told that rent growth was going to be this or income is going to be this. And I give it to the property manager like, we can't do that. It's going to be this. Why? Because the person at the property management company underwrites these deals. It's one person in a shop that doesn't actually take ownership of the thing. They have to underwrite a hundred of these things for all their clients every day. It's not until it gets down to the regional level, the ground reality level of the person actually implementing the plan to get that insight and that information. And so if you understand that and you have taken time to develop relationships with that person, guess how many more better deals you're going to be able to buy going into the future? Man, think about that. me off that we've been fed this line and it's just not real. And so I'm bringing reality to the marketplace and I'm calling it out, but I'm also giving you the solution. And it's time we face reality. If we want to keep the trust of our investors and have a future for tomorrow, then let's stop freaking pretending like there's not this huge gap here. Let's stop pretending that this isn't real. We have to face reality if we want to have a future and if we want to have investors continue to believe in this business with us. I love it. You know, I thought about two additional components that you can add to your business. And if you don't already, one is essentially a mercenary. When that person has a deal that's going underwater, the world's coming down on them, their investors aren't getting paid, lenders knocking on their door. Like you said, it's addressable. Stop the bleeding first, be a mercenary for hire in those situations. And then I'm also thinking of the syndication teams or just really any company that is operating well, but could be operating at a higher level based on the things that you just said. You ought to hire yourself out for those opportunities. Well, I'll give out my contact information at the end of this podcast. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're hitting our limit on time. You know me. I'll see you at the best ever. Come back anytime. And next time you come back, if you have an opportunity to, Ivan, let's deep dive on maybe a turnaround story, an example of where you went in and stopped the bleeding, slapped everybody around with the nunchucks and got the ship corrected. Let's do it, man. So I'd love to get into a deep dive with you. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. Come join my Facebook group, Apartment Ninja Warriors. I drop in daily tactics, tools, tips, content in there for you to apply to your business in today's environment. See you there. Yeah. And best ever listeners. I've known Ivan a few years. We met at the best ever conference, just an incredible individual. And I'm lucky to call him a friend. Ivan, thanks for joining us. Thanks Ash. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review, share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe and have a best ever day. Hi, Best Ever listeners, Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.